Welcome to the Gateway Scottsdale audio podcast. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We pray God speaks to you through this message and through his word today. For more information about our church, please visit us at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv. Now, let's tune in for this week's message. Well, when you're a guest speaker, you could just pull out a sermon out of your files and preach that message to somebody that probably never heard it before. Uh, but the Lord would not let me do that. And so this message is hot out of the oven. It's fresh. I hope it's tasty. I hope it's nourishing. It is the word of God, so it will feed you tonight. I want to tell you that God loves this world. And God manifests his love in many ways, but one of the ways he manifests his, manifests his love is by shining his light into the darkness of our world. And so this message I've entitled this evening, Let There Be Light. And there is darkness in our world. The Middle East no longer has the copyright on terrorism. It's hitting the streets of America and it's rearing its dark and ugly head all over the world today. There are mass shootings of innocent people by Goths and others involved in satanic occult practices, not to mention those who work for ISIS and want a caliphate to rule the world. The president has declared a state of emergency because of a massive opioid abuse. Suicide is becoming epidemic. The gaming industry is a multi-billion industry, as you know. And many of the games are straight out of the occult and death culture. And I read an article this week about how the death culture is even spreading to the fashion industry. Just walk down the streets of some of our cities and see how many people are wearing clothing with crossbones and other dark images. And there's darkness that's being exposed right now in Hollywood. I was just in Hollywood, or next to Hollywood, for the last two or three days, and just flew in today. Producers, directors, actors have been using their influence and power to satisfy their lusts and victimize children and young teens. And these are the people that are creating movies, and movies that are being exported now all over the world, and seen by children, teens, and the rest of us. I wish I could say that the church, though, is a place that has no darkness. It's full of light. But there are places even in the so-called evangelical world now where leaders are compromising on the clear teaching of God's word concerning sexual identity and orientation, even confusing what is true marriage and a man and woman's role in that marriage relationship It reminds me of Ezekiel chapter 8 and verse 12, which was a warning to the people of God that went like this, Son of man, have you seen what the elders of the house of Israel do in the dark? Every man in the room of his idols, for they say the Lord does not see us. Believe me, the Lord sees us. He knows exactly what's going on. I'm here to tell you some good news and some bad news. I just gave you the first of the bad news, but how about a little bit of good news right now? The first piece of good news comes right out of the first book of the Bible where it says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light. The good news is that God, who in his nature had plenty of fellowship with himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but God's love, and he is love, 
is so huge, so infinite, that he needed to fill the universe or fill the earth. Maybe the universe, we don't know yet, but certainly the earth saying to Adam and Eve, be fruitful and multiply because God's infinite love needs to be expressed. And so God loves you and me tonight. Can you say thank you, Lord, for your love that you created the earth and you've created me and put me on this planet for such a time as this. It should not surprise us that God wanted to get rid of the darkness of this world that came through sin through Adam and Eve progenitors of our race. For God's very nature is light. and That's what he wants to bring to our dark planet. 1 John 1, 5 says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Now isn't that good news tonight? Aren't you glad that the Father sent down gifts from heaven? Aren't you glad that he sent gifts to you and called you and gave you a reason to live and find fulfillment in using the gifts that he's given you? And as I've been part of this worship tonight in this service, I see gifts manifested on this platform through you musicians and singers and aren't those wonderful songs that somebody wrote and Those are gifts that God has given. Those of you who are out there in the hallways greeting people coming in, you probably have the gift of hospitality and some others have the gift of prophecy and wisdom and gifts of healing and all kinds of other gifts that are manifested in this body here at Gateway Scottsdale. Let me throw in a little more good news about what God is doing in the world and what he has been doing. They used to speak about Africa as the dark continent. There were hardly any believers in Africa a couple of hundred years ago. They worshipped trees and rocks and animals and their clergy were witch doctors. Today, the majority of Africa actually believes that there is only one true God and only one Son through which we could be saved, Jesus Christ, our Savior. Aren't you glad that God is piercing the darkness of our world and we see how he's done that with that whole continent. I believe he can do that with the rest of the world as well, don't you? Right down now in the Middle East, it looks like the darkest place on the planet. The vast majority of the people worship a God who in their scriptures is never referred to as loving or merciful. But today, even though many Christian global workers cannot even get into those countries, can't get visas to work there or serve there, God, by his own sovereign plan is opening the eyes of people, appearing in their bedrooms or in their offices, light shining in, and even appearances of Jesus himself in his bright clothing. Aren't you thankful that he's, he's still alive and well and he is revealing himself? Just as he did with the Apostle Paul on the road to Damascus, he was in a dark place. He was on his way to persecute Messianic Jews. God arrested him on the way to Damascus and a bright light shone and knocked him off his horse, blinded him in that light, and God saved him by his grace. And he's still doing that today all over the world. I believe revival's coming to the Middle East. And I think revival, I know revival is coming to Israel, the place that we've been serving for 34 years. 
God is light, and he's shining his light into dark places. The one true God who is light and is the father of lights has created a brilliant planet. I don't know if you've ever had a chance to be in the Red Sea and snorkeled and looked at the tropical fish and the incredible colors, shapes and sizes of those fish. And you look in the sky and the rainbow after a storm and you look at the fruits and vegetables in the marketplace and all the incredible colors as God's light is refracted into all of these different colors. Aren't you thankful that God has created a colorful world in which to live? And when his light is shining strongest, that's when we get to see the manifest presence of God in all of creation. How sad that there was a war in heaven, there was a rebellion in heaven, there was a a great angel who wanted to be worshipped instead of God. We call him Lucifer. Comes from a root meaning light and a third of heaven. The angels of heaven were cast down. That great angel turned himself into a serpent. He appeared in that beautiful garden and tempted Adam and Eve and they ate of that forbidden fruit. And now sin has passed on through our race from generation to generation and brought darkness into our world. But thankfully, there has always been a remnant throughout history of people who have experienced God's light and they are shining his light into the darkest places of our world. You know, at one point, God almost gave up on humanity and the sin that had spread. And he was ready to destroy the whole earth. But there was one man named Noah, and he found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And God spared humanity. And that ship of grace, with Noah and his immediate family, got a chance to start humanity all over again. That's the kind of God we serve. God doesn't give up on a dark world. He will always shine his light. In every generation, there is a remnant of people who know him and are shining brightly. I want to encourage you. You might feel alone. You might be the only person in your school or at your office or in your family who knows this father of lights. And just as God had wanted to destroy his creation at one point, but saved his creation through Noah, It means that even if you feel small and you just feel part of a a little remnant of people, that God hears your prayers, that God will spare your family, your city, if you will continue to seek God's face, do his will, and shine your light to those around you. So keep on obeying, keep on praying, keep on standing in the gap for your family, your friends, and this city of Phoenix and Scottsdale and for the state and for this whole nation and beyond. Let there be light. For the sake of time, I'm going to skip through a lot of history. I'm going to go from Genesis to Revelation. How many of you are ready for that? How many of you have enough grace for me to do that? And if I get to the point I know I'm supposed to stop, I'm just going to drop the sermon and you're going to come back tomorrow morning to get part two. How's that? By the way, this is the first time I've ever preached this message, so I think it's going to be better by tomorrow morning. So you might want to come back and hear it again. You are my guinea pigs tonight. Uh, Kosher ones, but you are guinea pigs tonight. Okay. So God shines his light 
into humanity at a very dark time. There was a man named Abram. He lived in Ur of the Chaldees in Babylon today, the border of Babylon or uh, Iraq and Iran, the Persian Gulf. And it was a pagan city. They didn't know the one true God. And suddenly God shows up into Abram's life and he says, go from here, lech lecha, and I will show you a land that I promised you. And Abraham obeyed and he took his whole family and he came to this land and it would be a land that would be, one day be called the promised land. And Abraham, that new name that God gave him, Abraham was given a great promise. And you know this promise. It says this, In Genesis chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, I will make you a great nation. Sorry, verse 2. I will bless you and make your name great, and you shall be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and and I will curse him who curses you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Again, I rush through history and bring us to a time when Israel's light was growing dim. God disciplined his people by sending them into Babylonian exile. But God did not give up on this nation that was to bless all the other nations of the earth. And here in Isaiah chapter 49 now in verse 6, we get a combination of a rebuke from the prophet, but also we get a picture of the renewal that God wants to make with God's people that are the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says this in Isaiah 49, verse 6. Indeed, he says, It is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also give you, the nation of Israel, you as a light to the Gentiles that you should be my salvation to the ends of the earth. And so no surprise that today, if you were to go to the the Knesset, the Israeli parliament, In its precincts, you will see this grand menorah, this candelabra of seven branches symbolizing the nation of Israel. It's Israel's emblem because of what God said through Isaiah, that you will be a light of salvation to all the nations of the earth. God is saying to this nation of Israel, it was called to shine into this dark world. Israel, it's not about you. You're my servant. I've called you to be a kingdom of priests. You're to be intermediaries. You're to build a bridge between sinful mankind and a holy God. You're to be a light, not only to your own race, but a light to all the races of the earth. And I didn't call you to keep my blessings to yourself in your own little world. It's not enough to raise up your own tribes and leave your exile in Babylon and go back to the land of Israel and Jerusalem and restore those tribes to their homeland. That's too small a thing. I have called you to be my servant, to serve up my blessings and shine my light into the entire world, Israel. You are my light to the Gentiles. I'm thankful tonight for Israel because God called Israel to be his servant, to be a light into our dark world. Now, there were times when the Jewish people understood that calling to the Gentiles. In the best of times, they revealed God's character of grace and faithfulness along with his justice and holiness. They brought the message of the one true God. They brought monotheism to a pagan world of polytheists who believed in many gods. And the way even that God treated the Jewish people by blessing them when they obeyed him and disciplining them when they didn't 
It revealed his character, both justice and his grace and mercy. And so God did use Israel as a servant in good times and bad times. In their tabernacle and temple, the priest tended an eternal light that was to burn continuously on the altar. But there were times when their light almost was extinguished. And Jonah typified many in Israel who was called to reach out to a pagan Gentile city called Nineveh. He was a little reluctant, wasn't he, to go. And in fact, he tried to run from his calling and he went to Jaffa or Joppa. And there he got on a ship to escape the will of God. And it took a great fish to discipline Jonah to make him realize that, Jonah, you're not just a Jew to be comfortable in my land, but I have called you to be a light to the other nations. I've called you to Nineveh to preach the good news and bring that city to repentance. Israel never really fulfilled that calling to be a servant nation and shine God's light of salvation to the ends of the earth. Yet Israel did bring much revelation. We've got to give lots of credit, actually, to Israel. In fact, Paul talks about this. He says in Romans chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, What advantage then has the Jew, or what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because to them were committed the oracles of God. To Israel were given the word of God, the scriptures. Almost every book, if not every book in the Bible, was written by Jews. Maybe an exception, a man named Luke. But then again, he was a doctor, so I'm pretty sure he was a Jew. And then in Romans chapter 9, verse 4, Paul will say about the Jewish people, Israelites, to whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. Wow. Israel was entrusted with so much of the riches of God, but not for themselves, but to bless the other nations with those abundant riches. This brings me to the most amazing thing that God did in our world. Instead of cursing the darkness, God himself lit a candle. He he himself entered our world to save the world from destruction. Where Israel failed to completely be the light to the nations, God sent himself in the person of Jesus, his only son, to be the light of the world. He embodied the whole nation of Israel in himself. He was a son of Israel. I didn't read the last part of that, those verses from Paul in Romans chapter 9, but the next verse, verse 5, says, concerning one of the sons of Israel or seed of Israel, it says, of whom are the fathers and from whom, according to the flesh, the Messiah came, who is over all the eternally blessed God. Amen. Paul is clearly saying that Jesus, when he came into the world, came as as one who is a son of Israel, a Jew. There are many people in the church today who don't know that Jesus was Jewish. They think he was a Catholic. But he was Jewish. He was a son of the covenant, and he came from those forefathers of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was the great seed that would ultimately bring light to the nations of the earth and so God clothes his son in Jewish flesh. But more, he's more than just a human Messiah. He is also, what we just read, the eternally blessed God. Amen. 
God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And when Jesus came into the world, there was no darkness in him. There was no sin. He was clean and bright and perfect in every way. And through Jesus' ministry of healing the sick and delivering people from demons and going about doing good, he manifested the light of God's love. And through his death on the cross, he demonstrated God's justice and holiness. He demonstrated that God can't just let sin go by and ignore it. Someone would have to pay the price for the sin of the nation. And Jesus took those sins upon himself. He took the place of God's people who had not been able to obey the law fully. Jesus became sin for you and for me that we might might be the righteousness of God. Can you say amen to that? Because Jesus came into the world, there's a way now for sinners to approach the Father of lights. If God had come in, in himself unfiltered and unveiled, we would all be blinded. We would never be able to see again. We couldn't stand in that unapproachable light. But through Jesus, we were able to see what God is like. Of course, one day we will see God face to face, but in the meantime, Jesus is the one who reveals who God truly is. And now it's somewhat surprising when Jesus came into the world, he only ministered publicly for three and a half years. He was a powerful light on the planet, but it was such a short-lived light, and you would have thought that now the Messiah had come once and for all, but On the cross, he says, it is finished. What did he mean by that? Now, you'd think by saying it is finished that he had already come and a remnant of Jews had come to serve him or believe in him, and and he came to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That was his primary target, and, and 500 people saw him when he was resurrected from the dead, and he had some followers, but when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, he didn't take the 500 with him and say, okay, we're now going to heaven, my job is done, it's finished. And what was finished is he did exactly what the Lord had told him to do, what God had told him to do, and he took upon himself our sin, but the job of reaching the world and turning the darkness into light was not over. And so... Jesus said, you know, it's better that I go so that I can send my Holy Spirit, my presence, to be in you and upon you. So Jesus said, when I go, I've got a job for you to do, but you need my Holy Spirit. Wait in Jerusalem, and I will send the promise of the Father, and the Holy Spirit will come, and power will come upon you. And with that power, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to Scottsdale, Arizona. Did you read that in your version of the Bible? Aren't you thankful that the gospel has reached all the way to this city? And he's done it through Jewish apostles like Paul and Barnabas and Peter and Titus and Silas and all kinds of other Jewish apostles. You know, Paul, with Barnabas, actually quoted Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, to speak of their ministry as Jewish evangelists to a Gentile world, that they were called to be a light of salvation to all the earth. Almost all the people that came to faith in those early years were Jews. The 3,000 that got saved in Jerusalem were probably all Jews. And it took many years before Peter could even could come to the realization that Gentiles could be saved. It took a miracle of a sheet coming down with heaven with unclean animals to show that the Gentile peoples are not unclean. God wants to save them too. And they're included 
And then he went to Cornelius' home. He shouldn't have gone into that Roman Gentile home as an Orthodox Jew. But the Spirit of God revealed that God loves them too. And he preached the gospel, and they became, they were filled with the Holy Spirit, and they were saved and baptized. And it proved to us that God didn't just call the Jews. He called the Jews to be a servant nation, to bring Gentiles, to bring all the nations of the earth into God's glorious light. Hallelujah. Jesus once said to a Samaritan woman, a non-Jew, salvation is from the Jews. Are you thankful tonight that God sent Jewish people into the world to be a light, to eventually get the light right all the way here to Arizona? I'm thankful for that, that he's reached all over the planet, and I get to travel and see the light of God, points of light everywhere on this planet that are revealing the true God. Now I come to a close. Some would say, well, we're the church now, we're the light of the world, and Jesus did say we're the light of the world. We don't hide it under a bushel basket, we put it up so everyone can see it, and it gives light to, to all around, and etc., etc. Well, what about Israel? Israel failed in being the light of God, and now it's the church. Yes, Jew and Gentile, one new man, but what about the nation of Israel? Isn't it just like every other nation now, and maybe even worse off because they failed? Last word I want to give you is that God doesn't give up on his people. And we come to these verses, the end of this message. We come to... Zechariah chapter 8. First of all, a New Testament passage, just to show this is a New Testament concept. In, in Romans chapter 11, verse 25 through 28, we read these words. Sorry, verse 25. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until... I like that word until, until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Hallelujah. But he's not only going to save Israel and then take them to heaven. Did you know that they've got a purpose? In verse 29, it says this, that the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. It's in the context of speaking about Israel that those words are spoken the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable. The call of Israel to be a blessing to all the nations of the earth, a call to be a light of salvation to all the nations of the earth, Israel will be back on the playing field again to bring a win for God in these latter days. If through their fall, and we read about this in Romans chapter 11, verse 10 and 11 and so on, if through their fall riches have come to the world, if through their fall, God has reconciled the world, what will their acceptance be but life from the dead? Israel's been on the bench now for about 2,000 years, but when they, get back, when they get off the bench and back on the playing field, if you think we're winning people in a great harvest today around the world without Israel on the team, what will it be like when Israel's on our team, the star player? in these latter days. It'll be a great harvest. And I'll leave you with one passage. And I've left out a lot of stuff that I'll be preaching about tomorrow. <laughs> Listen to this, Zechariah. One chapter, I'll just read highlights of this. It's amazing what it says. Again, the word of the Lord of hosts came saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, I am zealous for Zion, that's Israel or Jerusalem. 
I am zealous for Zion with great zeal. With great fervor, I am jealous or zealous for her. Verse 3, thus says the Lord, I will return to Zion and dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. Jerusalem shall be called the city of truth, the mountain of the Lord of hosts, the holy mountain. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, behold, I will save my people from the land of the east and from the land of the west. And they are being brought back to the land, even in our day. I will bring them back and they shall dwell in the midst of Jerusalem. This shall be my people, they shall be my people and I will be their God in truth and righteousness. Verse 13, and it shall come to pass that just as you were a curse among the nations. And is there any nation more cursed by the world than the Jews? Anti-Semitism is alive and well and we're seeing it again raise its ugly head. Zechariah 8, verse 20 now, thus says the Lord of hosts, people shall yet come, inhabitants of many cities, the inhabitants of one city shall go to another, saying, let us continue to go and pray before the Lord and seek the Lord of hosts, I myself will go also. Yes, many peoples and strong nations shall come to seek the Lord of hosts in Jerusalem and to pray before the Lord. Thus says the Lord of hosts, in those days, ten men from every language of the nations shall grasp the sleeve of a Jewish man, saying, Let us go with you, for we have heard that God is with you. A Jew, not talking about spiritual Israel, not the church, a Jew. The nations will come and grab a hold of a Jew. And that's not Jesus in this passage, because in that verse it also talks about you, that Jew, in the plural, you all, people from every nation will come back up to Jerusalem to hear the word of the Lord, and they will hear it from redeemed Jewish believers in Jesus. I think a lot of former rabbis are going to be on, of that number. They're going to proclaim the good news. Maybe it's the 144,000 spoken above, about in Je Revelation, but a re great revival will come because the nations will see that God is with the people of Israel again, and they have resumed their call to be a light to all the dark nations of the earth. And a great harvest is coming. What a hope we have. My only challenge to you really is to join that team. If you're not on it yet, probably most of you are, but shine your light as bright as possible in every situation you're in, whether it's your own family, your, your work, your school, whatever context you're in. Obey what God says. Be his disciple. Be his follower. Pay a price. It'll be worth it because ultimately you will get a great reward for shining his light in this world. Let me add this. Would you pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Would you pray for Israel to be that nation that will arise again to be the light to the nations of the earth? God is doing a great thing today. And when we got to Israel a number of years ago, 34 years ago, there might have been 500 Jewish believers today, about 20,000. And just two days ago, a survey came out from the Barna Group, a very scientific survey done of American Jews, you know what the result was? And it's shocking to me, 20% of all American Jews believe that Jesus is God. God is at work today. Revival is coming to the Jewish people. And if salvation has been brought to the nations through Israel's fall, what will it be like when Israel recovers and becomes all that God has truly called them to be? We're gonna see a great end time harvest the best is yet to come. God bless you.
I want you to stand. I want to invite our altar ministry team to come forward. And when I, when I hear a message like that, one of my favorite things that I get to do in my responsibility as the senior pastor of this church uh, is to bring in uh, what I would call family members who have our heart as a church. Um, they're not just uh, good speakers or communicators or storytellers, uh, but God is using them wherever they are in mighty ways. And this message, it kind of reminds me what it, what it feels like. Uh, it's like when your, your great uncle comes to your house and, and he sits down in your living room and he starts telling you stories about the business that your family has been in for generations. And he tells you about your great, 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 great grandfather who was in the business of shining light. And then he tells you the story about your great, great grandmother who was in the business of shining light. And then talks about your great grandfather and your grandfather and tells you stories about the lineage of light that you were born into. Well, we know we've been, as Gentile believers, adopted, grafted in. Some great homework this week. If you don't know much about God's heart for Israel, go read Romans chapter 11. Pastor Wayne even referred to it at the end of the message. Go read it this week. Go read Romans chapter 1. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. In the last 12 months, as a church, you have given around $100,000 to Jewish ministry in Israel especially. We're five years old as a church. We're still a baby church. And you have sowed $100,000 just in the last 12 months. Why? Preston, why, why are we doing that? Because I want to see the gospel go to the ends of the earth. And just like he said several times, if this is what it looks like, if, if this partial revival we are experiencing and living in, where a, a whole continent is coming to Jesus in droves, place like Africa and the Jewish people have not fully been awakened to the revelation that Yeshua is the Messiah can you even imagine can you even imagine what our world will look like when the Jewish people all over the world their eyes are open to see Jesus is God. You have been, as a believer in Jesus, grafted into a lineage of light bearers. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you'd like to know more about Gateway Church, 
please visit our website at www.gatewayscottsdale.tv.